Oh, blessings, everybody. If you don't know, my name is Zach McConnell. I'm the next-gen pastor here at Limwood. Um, as I was preparing for this message and really diving in and dialoguing with Mark, Pastor Mark said that keep it the message within two hours, so I promise I'll be here, but hour 15 will be good. That's sarcasm, in case you really want to know. We have been going through this amazing vision casting of family of families. In fact, I believe this is to be a root, a DNA of who we are. And this is a, is a, is a great conversation to embark upon as we've turned this new chapter in our history book. We started in week one with healthy families, grateful families. And we ended last week with prayerful families. And this week we're going to be tackling about what it means to be a humble family of humble families. That we as a family collectively care for each other, but how do we do that? With humility. See, we have to understand and understand the root of families of families is that you are important. You matter to us. And because you're a part of this family, this is an important topic to have. I am a family of two. But maybe you come from a family of three, a family of five, Sunstroms come from the family of six. Maybe you're a family of 20, which then I would say, may God be with you on those journeys. Or maybe you're a family of one. Regardless, you're important, and you're a part of this family. As the next-gen pastor, we speak to our students about how great God is. And in fact, you're going to see the LSM logo up on the screen, and you'll see that there is a greater sign. And it represents that his love has always been greater, that you've been made for greater things. And we remind that to students on a weekly basis when they attend LSM or they attend our events or do anything within the student ministry program, that God is greater than our biggest sins, our biggest roadblocks. We also remind our students that they are part of this family. It's not a separate church that meets down in the South Hallway. They are a part of our family. And this series, though, it's pushed me. And when we hit the topic of humility and talk about how great God's love is, and that because of his great love, we are called to be humbled, I've been reminded this week that It's time for me to be stretched. It's time for me to learn, time for me to grow. And I know this series is meant to push everybody here. If you've missed a week, don't worry. You can listen to us on our podcast. You can can go to linwoodchurch.org, go to media, and you can catch up on our latest sermons. If you're listening to our podcast right now, I'm so glad you're taking the time to listen. I hope these moments right here are as enlightful as it was for me as we dove into the scriptures. So let's begin with this. What is Humility. Well, I turn to great theologians like Tim McGraw, who says the words, be humble and, you guys are great, be humble and kind. See, we we can recognize humility. We know what humility is. It's just natural that we know what it is. We We know humble people in our minds. In fact, right now, me talking about humility and the individuals that are humble in your life, you can picture somebody in your mind right now. Who is that? Who is that somebody that you can say, that's a really humble 
person. And us recognizing humility, it's not like it's a bad characteristic. It's a good characteristic. I've yet to come across and be, ugh, they're super humble. I don't like that. Humility is a good characteristic. But acknowledging humility is not living humility. Acknowledging humility is not living humility. In fact, most, including myself, struggle with this thing called pride. And Paul talks about it in Philippians 2. I'm just going to read this quickly today. Because Philippians 2 is at the core of something else that we're going to be reading in the passage. Philippians 2, verse 2 on. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Verse 5, I like this one, it stands out. It says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Paul placed an importance here, congregation, on unity. Paul placed an importance because through unity, through the body of Christ, as a family of families, when we are unified together, humility pours out. That the attitude of Christ Jesus comes. I have to preface this, though. When we're talking about humility, we have to surrender ourselves and to be thinking of others. But I'm also reminded in Matthew 22 when they ask for the greatest commandment. It says, to love your Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Here's my disclaimer. As we're talking about surrendering and focusing on other people and showing a, a humble heart as a family of families, what I'm not saying today is to disregard all the needs, to disregard yourself for others, because we aren't living the commandment when it says to love your neighbor as yourself. You can't love your neighbor if you don't love yourself. If you don't recognize that you are made in the image of God, that you are wonderfully, and in my case, very uniquely, created in the image of God. And so we have to remember that, but as Christ lived the example, he humbled himself. He worked with the lowest of lows, and he served his people. When we serve with a humble heart, we recognize that humility is the center of our faith. We, we recognize in, in John 13, when Jesus gets down on his knees, and he begins to wash the feet of the disciples. I don't know about you, but feet are pretty gross today. I can't imagine what feet looked like back in the day. And yet, this was only reserved for the low servants, low people on the totem pole, and Jesus submitted himself lower as the king of kings to serve the people he loved. Now, he took time, he reserved himself away, and he would pray to his father to make sure he's connected, make sure, Lord, give me strength. But the king of kings descended down to give us hope, humility, strength. See, Jesus could have come down from heaven and demanded that we worship him. In fact, he's God. He could do whatever he wants. He didn't, though. He displayed humility. But there's something on the attack here. 
when we, we can talk all day and we can uppercut and punch and just say, this is what humility is. We should be humble. Be humble and kind. Great. Fantastic. But if we're honest with ourselves, and if I'm honest with myself, pride is the thing that attacks our flesh. Pride is the thing that just says, man, I want something selfish. I want something that I prefer rather than what I should be doing. So let's talk about where it comes to pride. That selfishness screams. It's loud. It's vulturous. It just attacks us from the front end, and it can't get away from it. Humility comes from a quiet heart. Humility comes from a humbled, quiet heart. Are we going to allow God to analyze our heart today? We can sit here, I can sit here, we can talk and just say, yeah, let's be humble. But are we going to allow today to, God, will you open my heart today and allow me to speak, allow your words to speak, Lord, and analyze our maze. You have all the keys to my house, Lord. Every closet, there is no closet you can't go into. Analyze my heart. Find any deceitful ways in me and rebuke it in your name. So we're going to be looking today at Micah chapter 6, starting at verse 1. If you've got your Bibles with us, go ahead and turn with me to Micah chapter 6, verse 1, which, by the way, I'm always happy to see when people bring their Bibles or they have their cell phones here and they're, they're following along with us. I am overjoyed when you do that. So make sure you pop it out. If you don't have a Bible, guess what? We've got few Bibles for you. And I need to put a little disclaimer as well in here, which is I'm a pastor, and I sometimes have a difficult time finding where Micah is. It's that small of a book. Let's put our pride aside. Go ahead and look at the table of contents. It's really okay. There's no judgment here. So find the book of Micah, starting at chapter 6. It's in the Old Testament. As you're turning to Micah chapter 6, I need to set up some background here. The prophet Micah in chapters 4 and 5 is giving hope, giving prosperity, giving a rejoicing of the things that are happening in Israel. And then things take a dark turn. And that's where we're landing in 6. So here we go. Micah chapter 6, starting at verse 1. Listen to what the Lord says. Stand up. Plead your case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear, O mountains, the Lord's accusations. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth, for the Lord has a case against his people. He is lodging a charge against Israel. Pause. Are you catching this in the first part? That the Lord is going to the mountains. He's saying, I'm finding your guilt. I'm calling to the mountains to see the remnants of all of the idols that you have. Because the mounds, that's where they would have their pagan idols. That's where they would worship, and they built an altar for a pagan god. And so there was remnants of that on the mounds, and God is acknowledging that and saying, I'm not blind to that. Let's keep going. Verse 3, my people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. 
I brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you and also Aaron and Miriam. Do you remember? Do you remember where you came from, your walk, your spiritual journey? God is walking these individuals from Israel to say, remember where you've come from. For those who have been Christians in this room, remember where you've come from. Don't forget that. We don't dwell on the past, but we remember the grace that God has given us because of the resurrection. And it's so easy for us to forget that. We allow other things to come into our lives. I like this. Verse 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings? With calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams? With ten thousands rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn child for transgressions? The fruit of the body for the sin of my soul. What do we do to remember the, the blessings, the heart that God has given us? And this is the meat of where we're spending our time today, congregation, family of families. It says in verse 8, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? I call this type of question the life questions. What's the meaning of life? If we're supposed to follow God, what does he want from me? Why did God create me? Those big questions. And the question right here that is asked directly, it says, what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Fourteen simple words that changes everything for us. He wants nothing but the offering of our humbled hearts. Remember at the beginning of all this, we were dead to rights. Everything that we've walked through in our journey and our personal walk with the Lord, we were dead to sin. But because Jesus died on the cross for our, our sins, the debt was canceled. He gave his heart so that our heart could be restored. And in return, we can give our hearts back to the Lord. And that's where the process of humility begins. And that's the process as I was analyzing these scriptures, I came to understand that God has called us to three simple things as we walk together as a humble family of humble families. The first one, to act justly, to do what is right. To do what is right, to never stop the grind of moving forward, to never stop saying, I'm too tired, to never stop saying that I, somebody else will take over. It's always called to do what is right, to allow our pride to be stepped aside and say, I humbly accept any challenge that the Lord puts before us. 
one of the things that Amanda and I are very proud of to be a part of this family of families to see that this church is a flower bed of success stories, of never stopping doing what's right. In fact, at the beginning of January, we got to experience something amazing. We got to experience people get baptized right here. Specifically, I'm thinking about one individual, a student here at Limwood, that she got to be baptized for the very first time. We celebrated it. I remember that I felt like the kingdom opened up. Pastor Keith, do you remember that? And this celebration we have of baptism. But there's a story that came to get to that point. I'm only highlighting one story of many stories that we have here at Linwood. But if I'm going to highlight this individual, we must preface it and say that the spotlight is not on the individual. The spotlight is on God as he worked through Diane Almer. See, Diane had to have the, 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 the courage many, many, many moons ago to, to step forward to this family and say, hey, we have a great church program. Can I take your, your kids and bring them to this church program? And because she got this courage to do so and she got to drive them there and then this, the students moved away, they were 45 minutes away from where she's at. That's one direction only. So she could have stopped and said, well, they're gone not my problem anymore. But she didn't stop doing what's right to act justly. She would pursue after them. She would drive 45 minutes, get those students, get them to youth groups so they can hear that they are a part of a bigger family than themselves. And that one more came into the kingdom of God because she didn't stop doing, she, she didn't stop She kept going, and I give praise and glory to God for that. Diane humbly served without a parade. May we humbly serve without a parade. In fact, when we are called, we're called to move forward in our relationship and to continuously serve. To humbly say, I'm going to take on this challenge. We need to be careful and not just say, well, I'm resting. God God does call us to a Sabbath. God does call us to, to regain our strength. But God does not call us to stop. God does not call us to remain still and silent and stagnant. We are called to continuously do what is right. And then he says, to love mercy. The second point there, to love mercy, is to lay down our preferences for this unconditional love for God's children. My pride says one thing, but my humility will say, it doesn't matter. Allow to surrender at the cross. Allow my personal preferences of what I like to see in order to say, God, what is your vision? What do you have in store? I was talking to a parent as I was preparing this message series. And this parent, as I was talking about humility and what does it mean to love mercy, this parent brought up this, this, this concept that if they only had one meal left, one meal left in their family, 
a good parent would say, give that to my children. Parents, do you agree? That if you had one meal left, you'd humbly give it to their children. So it is with the kingdom. May we humbly say, Lord, you have fed me. Allow me to feed others with the word. Allow me to surrender my preferences and humbly say, take, here is the bread of life. Lord, use me. Allow me to be your servant as we are a humble family of humble families. To love without borders, to humbly love without no transaction. Pastor Mark's been using that word lately, transactions. And that when we humbly serve, we want to make sure that we're careful with how transactions may take place. And when we love mercy, we're not loving on people so that they can give something in return to me. We love them because we want them to know of God's love. We humbly accept what God is doing in our lives. And the last one is to walk humbly. To turn away all the noises and to hear what God is doing. It doesn't say to sprint humbly. It doesn't say to run humbly. It doesn't say stand humbly. It says walk humbly. Walk and hear the voice of God. Be committed to find the strength that is beyond ourselves. To look at the cross and to say, Lord, I humbly accept whatever you put before me. Allow me to be used by you. Humility must be teachable because humility is found with a quiet heart. And so if we're, if we're transitioning, understanding how we're going to live humility, there must be action. Oh, there must be action to how we walk as a humble family of humble families. What are we going to do to say, Lord, I realize I need a change. I need to improve. I need to push. I need to relearn. I need to add alignment. I need to do something to focus my attention on that. Maybe you are a humble person. I'm led to believe a humble person would say, I have more to learn. Or maybe you're on the opposite side of the spectrum. It's like, I've never really given this a shot. I come to church and I, I ask, what's the church going to do for me? But my question I want to ask is, what can I do for the church? What can I do to be a part of our family of families? When we, get this, when we internally get this right... We begin, we begin to make an impact in our families and through our families. Take a look behind me. I see a lot of hard work in just this area. Look at the details. Look at everything that's taking place for an event that's happening here at our church. 
there's been a lot of hands on this project, and we're just looking at one element of it. Go down the hallway. Look at the classrooms. There have been a lot of humbled hearts that are working hard on this project. Yeah, there is a staff member that is leading it, but this was not the work of one staff member. This was the work of a family. I look at these projects and I see there's no billboard, there's no sign that says this was built by Jane Doe. I go down the hallway and I don't see any endorsements that says endorsed by this particular family, supported by this, financially supported by this. No. Here, Linwood, you've, you've shown that by just humbly giving, not only your time, your resources, your energy, you humbly give. And that's what it means to serve with humility. And when, when Micah is talking about to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly, may we set aside all the noise and accept the challenge. So here's what we're going to do. Michael's going to come back up and begin to prepare us as we continue to worship. But as we sing a song together, to your left and to your right and in the center, there, there are these acts of humility journals that we're calling our church to do. It's a seven-day journal as we walk through what it means to choose humility. And in this seven-day thing, anything can be done in seven days. We can try a new diet for seven days. You can be on a new fitness routine for seven days. You can do a spiritual discipline for seven days. But I don't want you to take this booklet because you feel guilty. I want you if you feel called and ready to accept the challenge to say, as a family, we're going to walk through this together, then as a time of worship, I want you to come up front. When we start singing and celebrating what God is doing, I want you to come up front and to grab a booklet. Again, I don't want you to grab a booklet because the person next to you grabbed it. I want you to grab a book because you're accepting the challenge to say, Lord, analyze me. Work through me. What do I need, Lord? Help me understand what you have in store for me. A humble family of humble families begin with a quiet heart. Are you willing to allow God to speak to you these next seven days? I must close with another great theologian. C.S. Lewis says, Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Let's worship and allow God to move in us.